When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome back to episode four of the Standing Room Spartans podcast, powered by StandingRoomSports.com. I am your host, Kevin Parker. If you listened to the previous episodes, welcome back. If this is your first time, welcome in. Make sure you stay a while, and I really appreciate your support. I really hope you enjoy the show. Today we got a really fun one. So if you head over to standingroomsports.com, I just completed and posted the other day a top 40 QBs list uh, in MSU history. Now, Chris Sims, he's a NBC Sports uh, radio host. He does his own podcast uh, about the NFL. He's a former NFL quarterback. Every year, he does his top 40 NFL QB list, and he started going through that uh, last week. And, and it really got me thinking about Michigan State and some of the quarterbacks that we've seen come through here, some of them great, some of them you know, not so good. But, uh, you know, from my experience, from digging into a lot of research, uh, I ended up coming up with my top 40 list. And as you can imagine, once you get yeah, the top 10, you got some great quarterbacks up there. The top 15, you got some pretty good quarterbacks up there. Top 20, eh, it's, it's okay. Once you get to, to number 30, 35, 40, uh, we start hitting a little bit of a lull here, but uh, I did want to, you know, give a shout out to some of these guys who, you know, we we don't really remember too kindly, and and maybe it's somebody that's not talked about too often in in the Michigan State media uh, world, and and there's some of these guys that you know they they had really interesting careers, you know, some of these guys that played before I was born that were really interesting to go back into the history and uh, of the team, of the players, and, and really see where this program comes from, how we've gotten to where we are today. And, and so it was fascinating. I spent a lot of time, but I, I really, truly enjoyed going through it. And I think you'll see that as you go through and read. Uh, I got a lot of comments on social media from the article that uh, I'll bring up a couple of them at the end as we go along here, but it, it, it was a ton of fun. I, I really enjoyed it, and, and what we're going to do today is really just go through that list uh, in the audio form here, so of course I'm not going to read word for word, but we'll go through 
I'll, I'll skim through some of the players. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about some and, and in depth in others. Uh, there was some that uh, that I really, you know, that I watched personally that I have, you know, some stories to tell, some, you know, games that I remember. And, and we'll, we'll go through some of them a little bit more in depth. We'll start from number 40. We'll go all the way down to number one. This this episode will probably run a little bit long. So if you want to break it up uh, into two parts, you know, your commute to work and your commute home or you know, you're off for, for a long trip walking the dog. You know, this the the weather's starting to turn out for us here. Um, you you can definitely do that, and I really hope you you enjoy. Uh, it's it's been a lot of fun going through this list, like I said. But uh, you know, we'll jump into that. Uh, I did mention on the previous podcast uh, we we do plan on going into uh, top five memory games, basically top five games of our memory I, i'm setting that up right now with a couple of buddies i got a couple hosts or a couple um guests on the way we got a couple interviews that should be we're starting to set up that should be coming through here soon so really exciting really happy that you came in really happy that you came back if you did uh, make sure you tell your friends tell everybody you know that's a spartan i, I really appreciate all the support i've gotten already in this so uh let's let's get to it here like i said we got 40 names to go through so uh you know let's let's go ahead and get started here at number 40 we have rocky lombardi and and like i said you get to the bottom end of this list and you're gonna get some guys who you know maybe didn't start a whole lot of games or didn't look too great but rocky lombardi man that first start against purdue back in 2018 318 yards two touchdowns no picks and then it basically went all downhill after that. But, you know, he he was um, he, he should be in line for at least a shot at the starting job here in 2020. So, you know, he could work himself uh, a, a lot higher on this list with with a good year coming up here. Um, but with what we've seen so far, he is our number 40 quarterback in MSU history. Number 39, Mike Panich played back in the 50s. He was uh, a part of the 1957 national title year, uh, played a lot of like running back, played a lot of quarterback uh, towards the end of his career, moved around it. Back in the 1950s, you got a few of these guys who, you know, they basically just put the best 11 guys on the field. So you'd have a guy who played running back his first season, switched to quarterback his second season. Uh, that That happened pretty often back then. Uh, he finished his career with about 900 yards, uh, which, you know, back at that time was was quite a bit. So, um, again, part of a national championship team, Mike Panich, and uh, deserves some respect for that. Number 38, George Mihayu, uh, played in the 19, early 1970s. Uh, it was actually the quarterback in the last three years uh, of Duffy's career, uh, the, the legendary head coach. Uh, dual threat guy, you know, was a was a runner and a passer, and uh, finished his career with zero touchdowns and eight interceptions, which isn't what you want to see from a quarterback. But uh, did have you know over 500 rushing yards in his career, so I uh, had to put him on this list here at number 38. Number 37, Bill Farico played in the 1960s. Uh, 1967 and 1968. So basically just after those two national championship or, or shared national championship winning teams, 
Uh, you know, you go back 1967. Again, they were coming off back-to-back years in, in the top two in the AP poll. Preseason number three team. It didn't go so great. Um, he had a couple halfway decent years, but um, just just really didn't continue that dynasty the way that you would have liked back in the 1960s. Um, but, you know, we, we 1967, we lost a lot of that great talent that we had, you know, with Bubba Smith and and the folks on that team. So uh, Bill Ferrico, co- quarterback of the 1967 and 68 team, comes in at number 37 on this list. Number 36, another modern guy that, you know, everybody here should remember, Keith Nickel, who was a really interesting guy. You know, we'll, we'll spend a minute on this because – He's from Lowell, Michigan. He, he committed to Michigan State. But when John L. Smith was fired, he decided to decommit. He ended up going to Oklahoma. He was a pretty big-time recruit. He ran that triple option in Lowell. Uh, but went to Oklahoma, lost the starting job to Sam Bradford, who ended up becoming a Heisman Trophy winner and number one overall pick. After he lost the job to Bradford, he ended up transferring back to Michigan State where he lost the job to Kirk Cousins. Uh, now, he played quite a bit of quarterback in, in 2009, his his first year uh, playing in East Lansing, and he he played quite a bit. The job was definitely available. I mean, they were, they were battling the whole preseason and, and even into the early part of the year, but Kirk Cousins ended up taking the job. You get to the Alamo Bowl, the bowl game in 2009 season, where Keith Nickel officially made the switch to wide receiver before that game, you know, before in bowl week, bowl preparation, you have a lot of time. And uh, that's where they decided to say, you know what, this guy's a great athlete. He's a really smart football player. Let's, you know, make the switch over to wide receiver and ended up paying off, right? He he had that Hail Mary uh, against Wisconsin from Kirk Cousins to, to win that game. He had, you look at the Wisconsin Big Ten Championship game when Keith Nickel caught the pass on the sideline, flipped it back to, I think it was B.J. Cunningham. You know, So he had some really memorable moments. Ended up finishing his career with 1,500 total yards, 10 touchdowns. So, you know, he, he had a, an interesting impact, but, uh, you know, definitely a guy I, I loved watching and was a guy that I think, you know, if if there were no Kirk Cousins, uh, I think Keith Nickel could have been a, a really productive quarterback. And, you know, I, I obviously don't know if he brings us to the level of success that Cousins did. But, you know, I, I had really high hopes for him. He was, again, a highly touted recruit. Um, but, you know, just a, an awesome football player, a, a guy that we rooted for the whole time and, um, you know, ended up losing the starting quarterback job. But, you know, did did play quite a bit again back in that 09 season and uh, earned his spot on the list, I think, here back at number 36. So number 35, moving along, Burt Vaughn played in the late 70s to 78 to 1980. It was a majority time of his career. He was a backup um, due to some injuries. He, he saw some playing time in the 1978 Big Ten Championship season. Uh, not a whole lot of playing time, but you know you got to give him credit for that. Uh, 1979 season, he played quite a bit, threw for 700 yards and four touchdowns in that season. But uh, again, was a backup the majority of his career uh, from 78 to 1980. 
You have Clark Brown coming in nine, number 34. Clark Brown played uh, started for the 1983 season. That was George Perlis's first year in East Lansing. Um, didn't really have a, a great year, um, but did have a win on the road against number four Notre Dame in the second week of the season. So uh, definitely uh, a noteworthy performance there. Finished with about 800 yards, four touchdowns on the season. So uh, really only one year starting and, and wasn't starting the entire season. But number 34, you have Clark Brown. Uh, number 33, another modern guy we'll all remember here, Andrew Maxwell who was a backup, of course, most of his career until 2012. And that's where, um, you know, after backing up Kirk Cousins for a couple years, Cousins graduates 2012. We need a new quarterback. Andrew Maxwell steps up in camp. Uh, was a was a pretty highly rated prospect, was a four-star guy. Um, and, and you look back at the talent we had on that team, man, that Le'Veon Bell, Keith Mumphrey, Tony Lippett, Benny Fowler, Aaron Burbridge, Deion Sims was the tight end. The skill positions were there uh, to, to really make an impact on the offensive side of the ball. But, you know, unfortunately, Andrew Maxwell just wasn't the guy to, to make that impact. And it was a season where Le'Veon Bell ended up carrying the ball. Uh, it, it turned out to be 29 carries per game when you average it out. You know, they really relied on the running game with not trusting Andrew Maxwell in the passing game. Uh, he had six 200-yard games on the year, you know, if we want to give him some credit. Um, but it just, uh, again, wasn't really the guy to, to bring them to that next level. And of course, the we that season, 2012 season, we went to the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl against TCU. Maxwell starts the game. Connor Cook ends up taking up taking over in the second half, and uh, you know the rest is history. Of course, Connor Cook winning the job in 2013. But it's weird because you you think about 2013 Rose Bowl season, Connor Cook, you know, after the TCU. Andrew Maxwell was still the starting quarterback to start 2013. So he was hanging on to that job for dear life, you know, just clawing by the fingernails, trying to remain the starting quarterback at Michigan State. But, you know, of course, uh, Connor Cook ends up taking over and and probably for the better. But number 33 quarterback on this list, Andrew Maxwell. Which brings us to number 32, Ryan Van Dyke played a uh, substantial playing time from 98 to 2001. You know, another guy who was a backup most of his career, but, you know, due to some injuries, due to some mop-up time, ended up seeing quite a bit of playing time. Uh, he, he played under Nick Saban and Bobby Williams, uh, you know, came in for relief for Bill Burke under Nick Saban. Uh, ended up uh, having a pretty good career. You know, he, he threw for 292 yards and 70% passing against Michigan one year uh, in a losing effort. But, you know, he, he was a, a solid quarterback who, you know, again, was was never going to be the guy. But uh, if you're looking at a reliable backup who can come in, win you a couple games, play pretty well. Uh, Ryan Van Dyke was that guy for a few years. So from 1998 to 2001, he was that guy, and he comes in at number 32 on the MSU quarterback list. Number 31, Mike Rasmussen, played from 1970 to 1971. 
And, uh, you know, when I posted this here on uh, one of the Facebook groups, uh, an MSU fan group, uh, somebody came in with a great story about Mike Rasmussen saying, uh, you know, he helped push his truck out of, uh, what was it, Wells Hall or something. You know, he, his his truck broke down and, and Mike Rasmussen came out. Uh, I'm trying to find the comment here to to give some credit to whoever posted that. But, uh, you know, Mike Rasmussen as a quarterback, uh, two-year starter under Duffy Darty, um, you know, ended up with a road win against Ohio State the 1971 season. So uh, ended up being a, a pretty solid quarterback for a couple of years. Again, started for two seasons. And when we're in this point of the list, you get into the 30s, just starting for two seasons will we'll get you uh, put on this list. I mean, we've talked about some of these guys already, most of them career backups, but, um, here it is Roger Dresden, Roger Dresden with the, sh- uh, shout out on the podcast. He, he commented on a Facebook post, um, and said Rasmussen is best remembered by me as the guy who helped push start my 63 Chevy two in the wonders hall parking lot when it wasn't, wouldn't start still thankful for the help. So, uh, appreciate Rasmussen there uh you know good guy on and off the field I guess played from 1970 to 1971 number 30 on the list Damon Dowdell we all remember him he had uh that win against number five Wisconsin in 2004 uh, where he came in, he had 72 yards rushing in that game not not really efficient as a passer but you know, just a blowout win against a number five ranked team uh, in Wisconsin. And and again, another, another guy who played a lot of, uh, who was a backup for most of his career, but did play quite a bit as a red, red shirt freshman. He played for a couple of games uh, for Jeff Smoker when he was out. Uh, the following season, he played five games when Jeff Smoker was suspended uh, played those games with, of course, the help of Charles Rogers, uh, which helped his numbers a little bit. You know, he had one game against Indiana where he threw for 200 yards and four touchdowns. I uh, ended up losing the starting job to Drew Stanton the following season when Jeff Smoker uh, graduated. But, uh, you know, was a, was, again, a really solid backup quarterback who could come in, win you some games. So Damon Dowdell comes in as the number 30 quarterback on the list. Number 29, Brian Clark, played from 1979 to 1981. Uh, started majority of two seasons after the 1978 uh, conference championship, Big Ten championship game. Uh, the, the statistics were were pretty okay. The, the team success was pretty okay. I, I mean, there's really not a whole lot to write home about here. Finished his career with 2,700 yards, 20 touchdowns, so... Uh, Brian Clark, number 29 on the list here. Uh, 28, Tyler O'Connor. And uh, I wrote in the article here, there is one reason and one reason alone for Tyler O'Connor's ranking. November 21st, 2015 was the date Columbus, Ohio was the location. And you can tell me all you want. He only had 89 passing yards and and one passing touchdown, which he threw to Trayvon Pendleton, the fullback. But going on the road in a in a bad weather game against Ohio State, I mean, it was just uh, 
when we talk about our our top five favorite games, I'll go more into detail. But uh, you know, we had a tailgate in our house on on Milford Street in East Lansing that day. Uh, none of us expected to win that game. I mean, 2015 Ohio State was an absolute juggernaut. They were they had won like 24 games in a row or something, and you know, TOC comes in there as a starting quarterback and wins us that game. He started that year as a punter against Michigan. I mean, this guy did it all. Uh, you know, he he beat Notre Dame in September on the road in 2016, where he he came in and he was the starting quarterback that year. Of course, in a game <laughs> a year that wasn't very good, and we're going to try to forget about all of the 2016 stuff here, but. You know, when we go back early in the year in September, he was looking okay. The team was looking okay. Of course, we lost eight of our last nine games and, uh, you know, ended up. That's why he's number 28 on the list and not any higher. But uh, Tyler O'Connor, November 21st, 2015 in, in Columbus. That was one of my favorite moments as a Michigan State football fan. And, you know, I have him to thank for a lot of that. So, so TOC coming in at number 28. Number 27, John Leister, played from 1980 to 1982. Uh, the, the most important thing here is that he finished his career with 3,999 yards. Johnny, what are you doing, buddy? One more yard, and you become the 13th quarterback in MSU history with 4,000 yards. Uh, he played in the three years under Muddy Waters, uh, three pretty forgettable years. We we went 10 and 23 in those games. Um, but, you know, John Leister, one yard short of 4,000. You just, you hate to see it. You hate to see it, John. Number 26, Tom Wilson played in the 1959 and 1960 seasons. That, um... He won against Michigan and Notre Dame, led him to a 6-2-1 record, finished number eight, uh, 15. Uh, in the season, he he threw for over 700 yards and eight touchdowns back in the 50s and, and early 60s. That, you know, throwing for 700 yards was no easy feat. So Tom Wilson comes in here at, 19, at number 26. Number 25, another guy from the uh, from the previous era of college football, Bill Triplett, Bill Triplett at number 25. He played from 1968 and 1969 season. Uh, the, the passing career w- was, you know, pretty underwhelming when you look at the passing statistics. But again, you know, it's a different game uh, back then. And he did finish his career with just under 800 rushing yards, 22 total touchdowns, a home win against Michigan in the 1969 season. So, you know, if you beat Michigan, you start for a couple years and you put up some decent stats, you're going to find yourself on this list here. So we're into the top 25 and Bill Triplett just gets in there at number 25. Number 24, Todd Schultz. He played two seasons under head coach Nick Saban, finished his career with over 4,000 yards. He was a member of that club, 27 touchdowns. Um, and, and really the important thing here is is the 1997 season. Um, and, and just to go back through this here, you know, their second year, it was uh, his first year, Saban's second year, went 6-6, six and six, uh, went to the Sun Bowl with a 38 nothing loss to Stanford. You come into that 1997 season, 
and won the first uh, five games of the year, all by three-plus touchdowns. West Western Michigan, Memphis, Notre Dame, Minnesota, Indiana. Start the year 5-0. and We are number 11 in the AP, and then lost four straight games. So Northwestern, Michigan, Ohio State, Purdue drops us to 5-4. and you know, we ended the year uh, with a 49 to 14 win against a number four Penn State team, but uh, you know that that's going to be remembered as a what could have been kind of season, right? You know, you start five games in a row, you you beat the hell out of everybody by three scores, you finish the year with a just dominating, you know, 40 point win or a 35-point win against a number top five team in America. Um, You know, if you don't have that bad stretch in the middle of the year, you know, again, Nick Saban's second year, you know, what could have been there. But Todd Schultz, uh, he is the number 24 quarterback on the list here, which brings us to number 23, Tony Banks, playing the 1994-1995 seasons. A very difficult time for the Michigan State program, as we know. You know, the 1994 season officially goes in the record books as a winless year due to the, quote, lack of institutional control that caused us to forfeit the five wins that we did have that year uh, under head coach George Perlis. But uh, he did become the first starter under Nick Saban, went 6-5 and won that season. He, he did win against a number seven Michigan team in East Lansing. So you got to give him a lot of credit there for for kind of holding the program together, being the quarterback who was you know part of that transition to a new coaching staff and Nick Saban, and at number twenty three we have our guy Tony Banks. At number twenty two we're going to see Jim Miller, nineteen ninety one to nineteen ninety three, finished with seventeen touchdowns to twenty nine interceptions. But he is also one of 10 quarterbacks at Michigan State to finish his career with more than 5,000 yards. So, um, you know, the yards are there. The touchdown to interception ratio isn't great. Uh, But he did uh, beat a top 10 Michigan team. Always love to see that. Finished with a six and three or six and six record in 1993, which was uh, definitely his best year, both statistically and when you look at team success as well. Number 21. Pete Smith started 1961 to 1962, uh, attempted 153 passes in his career. You know, when you when you look at, you know, what's the difference in the game from then to now and, and why it's so difficult and, you know, very subjective when you're looking at these lists and, and trying to put it all together. 153 pass attempts in two seasons. Uh, Brian Lewerke finished with over 1,200, so over 1,000 passing attempts, more than Pete Smith. But, you know, he did uh, was the quarterback of the 1961 season. Michigan State finished 7-2 and two with a number 8 uh, spot in the AP poll at the end of the year. Uh, ended the season against a, a number 6 Michigan team with a 28 nothing win, so... Uh, Pete Smith getting some respect here at number 21 on the list. Number 20, Jim Ninowski. Uh, th- there's not a whole lot of stuff about Jim Ninowski online, but he played from 1956 to 1957. And uh, we do know that that 1957 year is one where we we earned a, a shared uh, national title. So 
Um, he threw for 700 yards and six touchdowns at that time uh, in that season. So Jim Nanowski coming in and squeaking into the top 20 in the list here. And speaking of the top 20, number 19, a guy who finds himself in there, Charles Baggett, uh, played from 1973 to 1975, was a three-year starter, dual-threat quarterback, uh, never passed for 1,000 yards in a year. So when you're looking at the best quarterbacks of all time, a guy who finished in the top 20 never had a 1,000-yard passing season, but he finished ninth on MSU's all-time rushing list with 1,700 yards and that's why he has a place on this list at number 19. Led the Michigan State 1973 team to a number 12 finish in the AP poll at the end of the year. So he did have some team success to go along with that dual threat capability and you know, keeping defenses honest on the ground. 1,700 rushing yards to finish his career. Charles Baggett at number 19. Number 18, another guy, you know, you look at a guy who – Played running back, switched to quarterback. There's not a whole lot of really detailed information, but Dean Look, number 18 on the list. Dean Look played from 1957 to 1959 under head coach. Uh, first years of, of head coach Biggie Munn. Again, he was part of that 1957 national title team playing running back. Took over the quarterback spot in 1959 and finished sixth in the Heisman Trophy voting Threw for nearly 800 yards and nine touchdowns, which both led the conference. Again, finished sixth in the Heisman Trophy voting. So Dean Look coming in at number 18. Uh, and, and here's something I do want to mention because there's a couple guys that, you know, I, I do try to give the, the historical context because, again, it's really, really difficult um, to, to combine some of these guys and look at, you know, Back-to-back-to-back players, Charles Baggett at 19, Dean Look at 18, and Brian Hoyer coming up at 17. Uh, One guy played in the 70s, one guy played in the 50s, and one guy played in the 2000s. So it's really tough to to separate these guys. But again, Dean Look finished sixth in the Heisman Trophy. Now, again, you you don't have as many teams. You, You don't have as many quality players as a result. So... Um, of course, giving him all the credit he deserves. Um, but you know, when you think, of course, in 2020, if a guy finished in the top 10 in the Heisman Trophy voting, I, I think that is worth a lot more, and, and I think we can understand why. Um, but again, number 17, we just mentioned Brian Hoyer, and this is a guy that uh, I did get a, a little bit of flack for having him too low. I, I had a couple comments that said that he should have been a little bit higher and you know maybe he should have the I think the guys ahead of him definitely did enough to deserve their spots and and Brian Hoyer he had the one season in, in 2008 uh excuse me 2007 where the the statistics were there he had Devin Thomas at wide receiver Kellen Davis at tight end uh, I mean Devin Thomas had like 1200 yards that year was a second round pick uh, I think the number 34 overall pick in the draft so just outside of a first round player um so he had some weapons to throw to the stats were pretty solid you know you look at it kind of by year 2006 he was uh John L Smith's last season uh Hoyer played the final two games uh, both of them losses due to some injuries uh, took took over the job in 2007. Like I said, had had the weapons to throw to. Threw for 2,700 yards and 20 touchdowns. Ended up going seven and five. 
lost to Matt Ryan's Boston College team in the Citrus Bowl that season. Then 2008, you know, you, you got Blair White, Mark Dell at wide receiver, and you have, of course, Javon Ringer at running back. And, and that season, it, we had some team success, went 9-3 and three in the regular season and ended up losing uh, this time to Matt Stafford and the Georgia and the Capital One Bowl. Um, so you look at those two bowl performances against Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford, uh, you know, an interesting little tidbit there. But Javon Ringer ended up carrying the ball 30 times a game that year. Um, so so a lot of the team success there, you know, of course, I got to give Brian Hoyer some credit, but he was a guy who, who made a lot of questionable decisions. He, he didn't really take advantage, I think, of of a lot of the talent on the roster all the time. Um, but you know, again, nine and three that season at Michigan, we had lost six straight games to Michigan. This was the year after 2007. Mike Hart had the, uh, little brother comments after the Michigan win coming in after six straight losses to Michigan. And, and Brian Hoyer took that team into Ann Arbor and ended up coming out with a win. You remember that 61 yard touchdown to Blair White. On a little slant pass, Blair White shook a tackle of the safety, took it the distance. I was on a third down. Uh, I really actually went back and watched uh, like a quick cut of that game because some of these games, they all start to blend together. You know, we had that just dominating run against Michigan where, you know, some of these games, they, they really blend together in your head. So I went back and watched. I mean, he was clutch in this game, third downs. He was making plays all the time. I mean, there was uh, he, he caught a pass on a 20-yard reception, a little throwback there. Um, third and six, he had a 40-yard completion to Blair White. Third and six, 44 yards to Mark Dell. Ended up getting a, a touchdown pass to Charlie Gant on that drive. Um, it, but he, he ended up having a, himself a really great game. You know, again, third downs, clutch situations, and getting the first win against Michigan in seven years uh, to really start this run under Mark D'Antonio. And, you know, so I, I do give him a lot of credit. I, I think that he is, um, by judging by some of the comments, I, I do think he is a little bit overrated because, again, the best statistic year, he had a ton of weapons to throw to. Uh, really NFL guys, uh, you know, Devin Thomas's career didn't really end up panning out. Kellen Davis had a long NFL career. Um, but, you know, it, it's just that 2008 season we were relying on Javon Ringer th- running the ball 30 times a game to, to generate any offense. And so uh, Brian Hoyer, again, top, you know, number 17 on the list here, top 20 quarterback in program history. But um, to the to the folks that want him a little bit higher, uh, there were a couple nice games in there, but but I just think he made so many mistakes late in games and um, threw a lot of interceptions that just shouldn't have been thrown and and was a really frustrating quarterback to watch uh, during his time in East Lansing. But Brian Hoyer, your number seventeen quarterback on the list. Number 16, Jimmy Ray played in the 1960s, 1966 to 1967. Uh, and I wrote here, if you if you quarterback a national championship winning team, you belong on the list, right? Um, you know, 1966 title game, which included the tie in the, the fabled game of the century, final game of the season, number one versus number two, Michigan State versus Notre Dame, end up finishing in a tie 
Uh, and both teams, they finished with a perfect record. None, neither of them lost. So that was ended up being a shared national title. Notre Dame ended up being the AP national champion, you know, which does carry a little bit more weight. But Michigan State was a national champion in, in I had a handful of polls. It wasn't just one or two. So um, was the quarterback of that team. Had himself a nice career as a dual-threat quarterback. Um, and, of course, a lot of team success there as well. And we're into the top 15 here now. Bobby McAllister checking in at number 15. Uh, the stats, the the accolades are are okay, right? He, he does have some decent stats. Uh, but he did, of course, lead us to the 1987 season where we won a Big Ten championship, won the Rose Bowl against USC. It was a was a phenomenal year. Um, and there, there were a couple comments here again, uh, you know, going back to, to Facebook, I want to get you guys involved here. Um, somebody had mentioned this season and, and made a good point here. Um, Lucas Sabrowski says that Brian McAllister should have had a better passing stats with Mark Ingram and Andre Risen as his receivers and Lorenzo Wright at running back. He asks, you know, can you imagine if Cousins or Lewerke or, or Cook had that kind of talent? And, you know, I definitely agree with you, and that's why he's not higher on the list. Um, you know, you, again, you look at the stats, and they weren't terribly impressive, but uh, 1967 led them to a 9-2-1 and one record. They beat six top 20 teams uh, in that season. I mean, uh, one of the best teams in Michigan State program history. Um, when you play and, and beat six teams that were ranked in the top 20, win a Big Ten championship, you win a Rose Bowl against USC. Uh, Bobby McAllister was the catalyst of all that and, and comes in at number 15 on the list. Number 14, uh, another guy don't have a lot of information about. I, I got one or two comments that this guy was too low on the list, and, and for that I apologize. You know, again, just a, not a whole lot of information here. Al Doreau, uh played from 1949 to 1951, was the quarterback of the first Michigan State National Championship team in 1951 under head coach Biggie Munn. Two-year starter. He went nine, he went 17 and 1 as a starter. 17 and 1. Uh finished as an All-American one season, a national champion, um, and did end up coming back to East Lansing as an assistant coach. Under under Duffy Darty and and was uh, a part of two more national championships as a coaching uh, as a member of the coaching staff. So here's a guy you know as we gonna go back and and you're going through it, you get some feedback from people. I, I could have moved a couple spots up the list. Uh, this is a guy Al Duro at number fourteen that maybe did deserve to be a little bit higher on this list, but um, you know for now he is a top fifteen quarterback in program history. So. Um, I, I do respect what he did, but again, you, you have a little bit of a lack of information back in the 1940s and 50s in, in college football and, you know, any stats or, or game logs or anything that was happening. So, uh, but, you know, he ended up two year starter, 17 and one, an All American, a national championship, and, and then ended up taking home two more national titles as a coach. So, um, definitely deserves his spot on the list. Again, you could definitely make the argument he could be a little bit higher, and, and I would definitely hear that. So Al Duro at number 14. Number 13, Dave Yamera. He played in the 1980s from 1984 to 1986. 
There's no Big Ten titles to his name. His best season as team success was seven and five. Um, but you know, he had himself quite the career. He he was he's finished his career to this day. You know, even with the evolution of passing offenses, he's still number six in passing yards in program history, number seven in passing touchdowns. So, you know, definitely deserves to be high on this list. Cracks the top 15 at number 13, Dave Yarima. Number 12, Steve Jude, 1963 to 1965. Uh, was a pocket passer in a time where, you know, there were a lot of dual threat kind of guys. Definitely did not run the ball. He, he finished sixth in the Heisman Trophy when he threw for 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns in 1965, where Michigan State finished with a share of the national championship team, you know, that had a ton of success. I think the, the 1967 NFL draft. Um, had Michigan State had like three of the first five players that were picked, something crazy like that. It was Bubba Smith, George Webster. Uh, I mean, just super talented teams. But Steve Jude being the quarterback, being the leader of that team, uh, again, finished sixth in the Heisman Trophy voting in 1965. So uh, we're getting into the top 12 here. We're getting some incredible resumes, and, and Steve Jude is definitely no slouch here. Number 11, we see Bill Burke. Uh, he was the quarterback under Nick Saban's last two seasons, 1998-1999. Uh, the 98 season, you know, was, uh, it was a pretty good year. Uh, beat Notre Dame where they scored 42 points in the first half. Uh, they had a, a huge win at Ohio State, who was the number one team in the country. They were 28-point underdogs. Bill Burke threw for 326 yards and a win, uh, one of the biggest upsets, upsets in program history. And then in the 1999 years, Nick Saban's last season, you have Bill Burke starting quarterback coming back, TJ Duckett, Plexico Burris, uh, Gary Scott, uh, another great receiver at Michigan State. And you go back, man, truly one of the greatest uh, Michigan State football teams that we've ever had. Finished the season 10-2. and two. Wins against Michigan, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Penn State, Florida. You know, against Michigan, Bill Burke had 400 yards and two touchdowns. At that time, it was, uh, I believe, uh, Brian Lewerke actually broke that. But at the time, a school record. And, and, you know, Bill Burke in that 1999 season was just outstanding. The team was outstanding. He finished number, uh, he's currently number eight. On the all-time passing yards list, number five in passing touchdowns in program history. Um, here's another guy that, you know, a, a couple arguments, you you could move him up the list even a little bit. You know, just being the the head, head man of that 1999 season and Nick Saban's last year before he left for LSU and, and just... I think the thing that held me back a little bit was just the amount of talent that was on the team around him. And I'm not saying that I could have done it, but... You know, there, there was a ton of talent on that team, but, you know, he was a hell of a quarterback and, and made a lot of plays and, and stepped up in big games. And uh, Bill Burke coming in at number 11, just missing out on the top 10 here. Uh, and to get into the top 10, uh, Brian Lewerke, number 10 quarterback in program history, uh, of, of course, played from 2017 to 2019. And, uh, you know, 2017, man, 
First season as a starting quarterback, we go 10 and 3. He has over 3,000 total yards, 25 touchdowns. You, you get to that uh, Washington State Holiday Bowl, I think it was. Um, basically played a perfect game. And, and, you know, I definitely wasn't alone in thinking, you know, man, we, we had that down year in 2016, but Brian Lewerke brought us right back in, in 2017. And, you know, there was a lot of noise around the program. You know, there, there was. Just, just a really great feeling. He, he just, you, hey, we had the win against Michigan at that night game with a pouring rain. Uh, the the Penn State win where we had that uh, four hour rain delay. He threw for four hundred yards, had touchdowns to to Daryl Stewart, and then that Felton Davis diving catch. Uh, Penn State was was a playoff hopeful at the time, and, and we kicked that field goal as game expired and. You know, the, that 2017 season, man, there was hope. There was a lot of hope. And unfortunately, it just never really came back. 2018, I, I do think he was put into a bad position by the coaching staff. And that was something at the time that I talked a lot about. In that he just, you could tell he was hurt. And, and they just week after week kept marching him out there to start the game. He wouldn't look very good because his throwing shoulder was injured. They would pull him out, you know, after a couple drives for Rocky Lombardi, and just they should have sat him. They they should have given him time he to heal, get get whatever surgery, get whatever he needed to do because he very clearly was not healthy. Very clearly was not going to help the team. And that 2018 season, of course, the stats are not great. The the team success was not great. But it, I just think it, it, it's not fair to put that on Brian Lewerke because he was clearly playing through injuries and and he shouldn't have. He shouldn't have been put in that position. And then, of course, you know, you, that brings us to last year where a bad offensive line, a, an uninspired team, uh, just again, I'm not, I'm not going to put all of that on Brian Lewerke. You know, it's just, it's. It was a whole the the coaching staff the the players the 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 fans. I mean, it just there was no energy around the program, and you know, of course, you could say that the quarterback should be the guy, the catalyst to to bring that back. But yeah, you, know, you can't put that all on Lewerke, and he finishes his career as a top five passer, top five in passing yards and touchdowns, plus adding twelve hundred yards and ten touchdowns on the ground. Uh, currently signed with the New England Patriots along with Brian Hoyer on the depth chart there. Uh, but as an undrafted free agent, went to New England. It'd probably be on the passing practice squad, uh, at least for this season. But, you know, definitely hoping for the best for the kid because, again, you know, I think at times he didn't really get a fair shake here and was super talented. And, you know, we go back to that 2017 season and what could have been. And, uh, man, Brian Lewerke, the, the first one in the top 10 here. We're into the top 10. Number 10, Brian Lewerke. <clears throat> Number 9, Dan Enos. Played from 1989 to 1990. Uh, you know, before he was, you know, the coach, Dan Enos, that we know, uh, was a pretty good quarterback. Uh, you know, went 12-4 and four in conference games over his two years as a starter. Uh, led them to a Big Ten title in 1990. Fourth all-time in completion percentage in program history. So Dan Enos had himself a really nice career here in East Lansing. Uh, comes in in the top 10, number nine on the list. 
Uh, again, playing from 1989 to 1990 with the Big Ten Championship to his name. Number eight, you know, we're, we're dipping back into the history books again here with Earl Morrill. Played from 1953 to 1955. Uh, best remembered for the 1955 season. Finished fourth in the Heisman Trophy voting. Led Michigan State to a 9-1 record with a Rose Bowl victory against UCLA. And this was something I put into the article as well. In the 1954 season, I can't remember exactly which season it was, but you know, in the 1950s, this guy threw for 274 yards in a single game. I think it was against Marquette. But 274 passing yards in the 1950s, man. You, you think about the the wing tee, and the, you know, if people are running the ball 500 times a game, and then they might pass it four or five times. And you know, the forward pass was was just starting to be a thing. I mean, Earl Morrill, 274 yards in a game. But you know, his his career, his legacy is cemented. You know, a nine and nine and one year, fourth in the Heisman Trophy voting. Earl Morrill comes in at number eight on this list. Another guy who caused a little bit of controversy here, Jeff Smoker, is my number seven quarterback in program history. And, you know, maybe this is nostalgic because, you know, his career lined up right into my childhood of, of you know, those first sports moments, my first quarterback at Michigan State, if you will. Um, you, I, I distinctly remember going up in the south entrance. You had those where there's smoke, there's fire uh, banners that were hanging. And, man, he was, uh, he was a pretty special quarterback as well. Uh, you know, he, his first two years, of course, you have the benefit of playing with Charles Rogers, who, you know, just had a ridiculous career. And, and I could have thrown the ball to Charles Rogers. You know, there was... Uh, you know, earlier we mentioned, you know, I don't want to say I could have done it, but that, that team was pretty good. Now, I could have thrown the ball to Charles Rogers, man. That that guy was a walking touchdown in East Lansing. He was so, so special. Uh, but the thing that really cements Jeff Smoker's legacy, in my opinion, his best statistical season actually came the year after Charles Rogers uh, went to the NFL. Uh, he threw for 3,400 yards, 21 touchdowns, led the team to an 8-5 and five record uh, after Charles Rogers left in that 2003 season. So Jeff Smoker, again, a little bit controversial here. The, there were some people who were saying he was a bit too high on the list. But, you know, I, I, I look back and, and man, he was a, a really solid quarterback who, again, had his best season without his best receiver, which really goes to show you, you know, he understood the position and how to win with, with less talented guys. Took, took him to an 8-5 and five record on a team that just wasn't that talented, to, to be quite honest. So Jeff Smoker at number seven on the list of all-time quarterbacks at Michigan State. Number six, just missing out on the top five. Tom Yuchich, Yevchich, honestly, I have no idea how to pronounce his name, um, but played in the 19, early 1950s. So um, moved from, again, he was a guy who played a little bit of running back, a little bit of H-back, uh, led the Spartans to a national championship in his first year at quarterback, was an All-American. 1953, the following season, led them to a Big Ten championship and a Rose Bowl. Uh, he's a member of the MSU Hall, Hall of Fame, you know, truly put them on the map, uh, Michigan State on the map in the very early years. 
you know, of college football and of, of Michigan State's program. So Tom Uchich, I, I think that would, that sounds right. Tom Uchich, number six on the list, playing from 1951 to 1953. And that's where we get into the top five quarterbacks of all time, top five Michigan State quarterbacks. And at number five, we have Ed Smith. He played from 1976 to 1978 um, and just had a phenomenal career. When, when he finished his career, he was the Big Ten career leader, the conference leader in passing yards after three seasons with uh, Kirk Gibson at, at wide receiver. And yes, it is that Kirk Gibson, uh, the guy we, uh, you know, it's, Probably one of the worst announcers for Tigers baseball, but um, you know had himself a, an incredible Hall of Fame baseball career and um, and an awesome football career in his time at Michigan State, All American wide receiver. But Ed Smith, the quarterback, led the team to a fifteen six and one record in his last two years as a starter. Again, it was a three year starter at that Big Ten championship in nineteen seventy eight. Um, again, you're playing in the seventies, a little bit different era of, of football where, you know, you're not lining up and throwing the ball 40 times, but, you know, even still he, he ranks in the top 10 in passing yards and passing touchdowns with, um, what I kind of did the math here over 400 less passing attempts than Brian Lewerke and still finds himself in the top 10 of all of these lists. So he had the team success with the 1978 big 10 championship. You had the statistics uh, again. The the Big Ten career leader in passing yards when he finished up uh, in 1978. You have the personal stats. You have the championships. The you know Ed Smith, very much deserving of his top five ranking on this list here, coming in at number five. And at number four, we have truly one of my favorite Spartans of all time, Drew Stanton. My guy, Drew Stanton at number four. Uh, he comes in, I mean, 2003, he's backing up Jeff Smoker. He's playing special teams. He's, he's in on punt coverage. Uh, think of Taysom Hill, you know, in the NFL, right? Uh, 2004 is John L. Smith's second season. They win five games, you know, not a whole lot of team success there. 2005, check this out. The first four games of the 2005 college football season. Michigan State plays Kent State, Hawaii, number 10 Notre Dame on the road and on the road against Illinois. Listen to how many points the team scored and uh, Drew Stanton's total yards and touchdowns in those games. Kent State, 49 points. Drew Stanton, 357 yards and two touchdowns. Hawaii, 42 points. Drew Stanton, 304 yards and three touchdowns. Number 10, Notre Dame on the road, 44 points. Drew Stanton, 357 yards and four touchdowns. Week four at Illinois, 61 points. Stanton goes for 271 and five touchdowns. He had the epic comeback. Uh, I think it's still the greatest comeback in college football history against Northwestern. Down 35 points in the third quarter. Come back and win the game 31 or 41 to 38. He had 300 plus yards, three touchdowns, ends up as a second round pick to the Detroit Lions. But, you know, really, when you go through the stat sheet, it's it's absolutely incredible what this guy did with a bad roster. His leading receivers for the three seasons that he was a starting quarterback 
were Jeremy Scott twice and Kerry Reed. And if you don't remember those names, there's probably a good reason for it. I mean, the guy had an absolutely awesome career. He, he finished in the top eight, uh, still to this day, a top eight passing yards and passing touchdowns. Number one in program history and completion percentage. And on top of that, he threw, he ran for 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns, which are both in the top 12 uh, in the rushing category in Michigan State history. So the team success, no, it's not really there. But the individual success and, and just putting the team on his back and, and doing it without a whole lot of help, you can't argue Drew Stanton's spot on this list. Um, and at number four, I just a ton of respect for the guy and and what he did, and he's still hanging around the NFL to some capacity. But you know, just just a joy to watch. I wish that we would have had a little bit more talent around him, and we could have seen him um, uh, really win some games and play in some bigger moments. But you know, Drew Stanton cracks the top five at number four on the all time quarterback list. Which brings us to number three, and a guy I want to talk about, and a guy I very much encourage you to do some research on, and that is Willie Thrower. Uh, I tweeted a link, again, go to Standing Room MSU, uh, I tweeted a story about Willie Thrower, but this is a guy that that we're talking about impact to the game of football. Uh, the personal accolades, you know, All-American lists, all that kind of stuff, you, you're really not going to see him come up, but where he makes this list and where he makes the number three position on this list is a guy who was the first black quarterback in the history of the Big Ten Conference, first black quarterback in the history of the NFL. I mean, the impact is something we truly can't put into words. And, you know, in this time where, uh, you know, there's we all know what's going on. Uh, and, and I very much encourage everybody again to to look up Willie Thrower and Imagining what this guy must have gone through as, you know, kind of trailblazing and, and groundbreaking at the time and his impact in, in just desegregating college football, desegregating the country. Uh, again, 1949 to 1952, uh, this guy was has such a big impact. We I truly can't put it into words. There have been guys who have mentioned him in NFL Hall of Fame speeches and Again, I very much I, I can't encourage you more to to do some research on Willie Thrower. Some of the things he went through as a, as a quarterback, as a as a professional football player, as a human being, uh, truly remarkable, and a guy that I couldn't respect anymore. And um, was also a two time national champion who could throw a ball seventy yards and went three and zero against Michigan. So. Willie Thrower, uh, the number three quarterback on this list for many reasons, but uh, truly his impact to the game of football, his impact on this country uh, really can't be put into words. And that's why he's here. Number three, Willie Thrower, please, please uh, do some research, spend a few minutes, uh, Google his name. Uh, you'll find some stories that are uh, absolutely remarkable. So Willie Thrower, number three quarterback of all time. Uh, Michigan State program history. And now we all know the two quarterbacks who still remain number two and number one quarterbacks on the all-time MSU quarterback list. At number two, Kirk Cousins. Number two, Captain Kirk, uh, my guy. You know, we'll, we'll kind of just take a second and break down his career. 
uh, in depth a little bit because it, it really was special. And, and I really I remember in uh, 2008, he was the quarterback of Holland Christian. They went to a state championship game. Mm-hmm. I remember watching him and, you know, I knew that he was committed to Michigan State and, you know, just kind of taking a look and, you know, just saying, hey, this guy's pretty good. I don't know. I was in high school at the time and I remember, um, you know, going to some of those state championship games when we weren't in it as a team. Uh, when I was playing high school football, we went to a state championship game one year. But um, the other years, we we definitely went down every single year and watched at Ford Field and Kirk Cousins and uh, Holland Christian. They had a nice team. Uh, he was a nice player. I definitely didn't expect the success that he, he has had to this day at that point. But, man, uh, and I mentioned in the article, without Kirk Cousins, I, I don't think that we have the success that we do under Connor Cook, the obviously number one player on this list. But, man, he, he again, you, you go back through the years, right? 2009, he beat out Keith Nickel, who we talked about earlier. Um, for the starting job, you know, you go uh, 2009 season. We we remember the Michigan game, the overtime against uh, Michigan. Larry Caper uh, game where I was up in the upper deck for that one, and and Kirk Cousins didn't really have a great game, but he did have 75 rushing yards. Um, it was raining late in the game, and Tate Forcier uh, threw one to Roy Roundtree with three seconds left to force overtime. Um, and of course, an interception by Chris L. Rucker and Larry Caper uh, with the run in overtime um, brings us our second straight win against Michigan. Um, and then in 2010, Kirk Cousins, they, they go into the season, they have an 8-0 start. I mean, in some of these games, man, the 2010 season was was really the most fascinating season in in. Michigan State history. Uh, of course, we had seasons with more success, but man, it was just it was wild, right? I mean, we had the the Notre Dame Little Giants, right? And Kirk Cousins threw for over 240 yards and two touchdowns in that game, where uh, Aaron Bates drops back to pass on a fake field goal in overtime, and and Mark D'Antonio drops his balls on on Notre Dame. You had the Wisconsin Hail Mary game. Uh, Kirk Cousins threw for 290 and three touchdowns in that game, including the the Keith Nickel. It was 44 yards uh, to seal that one. He had the Michigan uh, win where, man, there was just a, a dominating performance. He had a 24-0 run by Michigan State in the middle of that game. Kirk Cousins throws for 284 yards and a touchdown, which was you know, a bomb to Mark Dell down the left sideline. Um, you you go into the uh, into a bowl game where we were eleven and one going into a Capital One bowl against Alabama, who was uh, defending national champions. And man, that I was uh, again a game that I was at and in person in the stadium, and the, we did not belong on that field. I'll just say that man, that Alabama team: Mark Ingram, Trent Richardson at running back. Julio Jones, Courtney Upshaw, Marcel Darius, Dante Hightower, C.J. Mosley. I mean, the amount of NFL starters that came from that Alabama team, Drake Kirkpatrick was on there, was just ridiculous. And um, I remember uh, Kirk Cousins basically getting sacked every time he touched the ball. He had 56 yards in sacks throughout the course of that game. And 
Oh, it was brutal. Uh, but it, just a really a fascinating season. And then that takes us into 2011. We go 10 and two in the regular season. You know, you had the win at Ohio State when Ohio State was uh, that was their season where they only won six games. Um, you know, against Michigan, uh, you remember those dark green, black and gold Nike Pro Combat jerseys. Two touchdown passes to Keyshawn Martin in the third quarter. Um, with a big win there. Then you go to that Wisconsin Big Ten Championship game, which was, I to this day, you know, again, it, just a brutal loss, but the best football game I have ever seen live in person. It was the first college football, or the first Big Ten Championship game. I drove down to Indianapolis with my mom and, and one of my best friends, and, and man, it was just <clears throat> something that I... I Man, we should have won the game, right? Uh, the the running into the punter just will kill me every time I watch it. But Kirk Cousins goes for 281 yards and three touchdowns in that game in just a ridiculous football game. I mean, it was back and forth and back and forth. You had the nickel, uh, Keith Nichols sideline where he catches on the sideline, tosses it back to B.J. Cunningham. We fake the field goal on the extra point there, go for, you know, get a two-point conversion. But, you know, at the end of the day, Russell Wilson, he had three touchdowns. Uh, and just every third and fourth down, Russell Wilson was making a play. Uh, Monty Ball, we just couldn't find a way to stop him. And, and man, that was seriously the, the most fun football game I've ever watched. If you, if you try to take the winning and losing out of it for your team and the fandom, just, just an incredible football game. And unfortunately came up on the wrong side of that one, but brought us to the, the Georgia Outback Bowl uh, where we were down 16 nothing at half. And that brought back memories of that Alabama Capital One Bowl where we just didn't belong on the field with those guys. Again, down 16 nothing. Cousins had thrown a couple interceptions, and we just looked so outmatched in that game. You come out in the second half, you had a Le'Veon Bell touchdown run, two-point conversion, Darquez Denard pick six. Um, and then Le'Veon Bell scores a, a one-yard touchdowns with 14 seconds left to force overtime. A couple field goals, and then second overtime, Terrell Worthy blocks the field goal. Dan Conroy knocks it in for a wild win. And man, he Kirk Cousins ended up with 300 yards uh, to finish his Michigan State career. Was the second team all Big Ten behind Russell Wilson that season. Fourth-round pick for the Washington Redskins, and has gone on to to have himself a hell of an NFL career to this point. Um and just it's it's unmistakable his impact for for Michigan State and and again the I don't think we have the success under Connor Cook without Kirk Cousins and and the 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 level that he brought this program to um from where we were at, at the start of his career in 2009 to where he finished it in 2011 is is um again you, you just can't put that impact really into words and and we wouldn't be where we were in 2013 2014 2015 without Kirk Cousins in those seasons and you know again a guy who's gone on to make 60 million dollars in the NFL um, just, you know, his impact to Michigan State is felt and, and we all know it. And and man, he's it it, it was a little bit tough. I'm not going to lie, even though Connor Cook is, is obviously well deserving of the number one spot 
and we'll get to him in a second here. I, I love Kirk Cousins so much, and he did so much for this program um, that that leaving him at number two, it, it just felt wrong. I, I thought about doing a 1A and 1B kind of thing here, but you know, Kirk Cousins at number two, which of course are our number one quarterback in Michigan State program history, Connor Cook. And whether you look at the team success, the the personal accolades and awards, the stats, it's it's really hard to argue uh, Connor Cook at number one. Again, I, I would have liked to do a little 1A, 1B here, but I think when you bring in all of the team success that we had under Connor Cook, it's he deserves the number one spot uh, to himself. And we'll kind of, again, go through a little bit year by year and spend some time really going through here to finish off this list. But, you know, man, the the level of success that we had in that time that Connor Cook was our quarterback, I'll never forget. And then the memories that I had and, you know, that was uh, the time where I was at Michigan State and it was just, man, the, the environment around campus on a, on a game day when we were ranked in the top 10, ranked in the top five. And I, I of course, owe a lot of that to Connor Cook and, and all, all those guys on that team. And, you know, you can say what you want about, you know, he wasn't a captain and, and there are some folks out there who have some opinions about him as, a, as somebody off the field, but on the field, the, the impact is unmistakable. And then, you know, again, we'll, we'll kind of just take this year by year, right? 2012, he comes in in the second half against TCU, gets an ugly win in the, that Buffalo wild wings bowl. And um, I, most of us, I believe had a feeling that that would kind of vault him into uh, being the starting quarterback in 2013, and and when you go back in in history, you don't really remember those first couple of years where Andrew Maxwell was still battling for that job. Um, but week three, Youngstown State, he he ends up really securing the starting job with 200 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, the the following week, we had the loss at Notre Dame. And then we rattled off 10 straight wins. Uh, and man, it, at Iowa, he had 270 yards and two touchdowns. He had the Michigan game that year, which, you know, of course is famous now for the uh, negative 48 rushing yards game. Uh, but Connor Cook had 250 yards and a touchdown in that game uh, through the air. A little back corner fade to, to Benny Fowler in the red zone. He had a rushing touchdown, which sparked the Travis Jackson. Yes, 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 chant. And uh, man, it's just uh, that game makes me smile every time I think about it. Uh, of course, you bring us to the Ohio State Big Ten Championship game uh, where we were heavily, you know, underdogs, heavily outmatched in that game talent wise. But Connor Cook brings us in 300 yards and three touchdowns. Um, you had the the Keith Mumphrey busted coverage early in the second half for a long touchdown to bring us up 10-0. Later in the second quarter, Tony Lippett down the right sideline, 17-0. Um, later in the game, start of the fourth quarter, we were down. You know, Ohio State had rallied back, Braxton Miller at quarterback. And then uh, Connor Cook hits a little play action, hits Josiah, Josiah Price on the left side. Um, at the start of the fourth quarter, that puts us up 27-24. Of course, you know, we get the fourth down stop with Danico Salen. Jeremy Langford punches it in to, to bring us up two scores. And, 
and off to the Rose Bowl we go. And, you know, he ended up being a, a second team all Big Ten performer uh, behind Braxton Miller that season. But, you know, you, you go into a, a Big Ten championship game, beat an Ohio State team that, that could have won a national championship that year, to be completely honest. You know, we head to the Rose Bowl where Connor Cook throws for 300 yards, 332 yards, excuse me, two touchdowns. You know, the one to Trevon Pendleton, the one to Tony Lippett at the start of the fourth quarter on that slant route made it 24-17 Michigan State. And, and really an unforgettable season. Again, being on campus at that time, going to a Rose Bowl for the first time in a couple decades, just a super, super special season. And of course, he wasn't done. You go 2014 Another year, you go to a New Year's Six Bowl in the Cotton Bowl. The Michigan game that year just dominated. Um, he had that truck stick on the run, if you remember, lowered the shoulder on a, on a linebacker, put him in the dirt, and then you end up just dominating that game. Cook throws for 227 yards and a 70-yard touchdown to Tony Lippett, which brought him up 28-3. to yeah, you know, that Baylor Cotton Bowl. You're you're down thirty four to fourteen in the third quarter, forty one to twenty one in the fourth quarter. Connor Cook gives you three hundred fifteen yards and two touchdowns through the air, including Keith Mumphrey with seventeen seconds left to put us up forty two to forty one. Uh, just a and remarkable season that that goes down and and we kind of forget about it. It's sandwiched in between twenty thirteen and twenty fifteen, you know, but but. That was a special, special season. Second team, all Big Ten behind another Ohio State quarterback, JT Barrett, uh, in that season. And then you go into 2015. Um, Cook comes back is his final season. Preseason, number five team in the country. And, man, you run through that schedule, and it's just so fun. I I went through the schedule, and I watched the highlights of every single game just to, to remember all of it and you know, again, we'll we'll have another episode of the podcast coming up with a couple buddies of mine where we'll break down our favorite games. And of course, there will be a couple of these on here. But man, you, you have that Oregon game at home, which was the best game day atmosphere I remember at, at any point in East Lansing. Um, he throws for 190 yards, a couple touchdowns in the first half. Um, get the win there. Air Force, he throws four touchdowns. You go at Michigan that year, he threw for 328 yards and a touchdown to McGarrett Kings. 74-yard uh, throw to Trevon Pendleton, almost gets into the end zone, uh, end up scoring on that drive. Uh, L.J. Scott touchdown brings us to a 23-21 to uh, within, within two points there. And then, of course, you have the the trouble with the snap uh, to to finish that game off and, and a win at Michigan in Jim Harbaugh's first season. Uh, you know, just, I, there's nothing else that needs to be said. Of course, you know we'll we'll break down that more in depth in the in the in an upcoming podcast. I can promise you that. Uh, but you know, we're we're talking Connor Cook here, so. He goes at Nebraska in in the only loss of that season uh, in the regular season. He, he threw for 300 yards, and, and it was his fourth straight 300-yard game. He, he threw for four touchdowns. The, the defense just could not get a stop in that game. 
um, end up getting the loss, but you know, follow that up, finish the season off with Penn State, 250 yards and three touchdowns and a 55 to 16 win. Brings us to the Iowa Big Ten championship game where he definitely battled through a lot of pain in that game. You know, the stats weren't great. Obviously, the final score looking the way it was, you know, wasn't an offensive game, but you know, he got hit by Josie Jewell late in the third quarter, if you remember that, and just didn't really look the same. The announcers brought it up a couple times. I was in the stadium, uh, in the student section for that one, but I went back and watched it and even the announcers mentioned, you know, that the, he just didn't look the same after that hit. And, um, you know, of course, we we battled, battled, battled in that game. You get to that final drive, which in the stadium, I, I'm not joking. It felt like it took three hours to get that final drive. But he hit that third and eight to Aaron Burbridge, he had the option keeper on fourth and two from the five yard line going in. Um, kept it, you know, took a couple shots, gets the first down. And of course, LJ Scott finishes it off and off to the college football playoff we go. But, you know, not before he finishes the season as a first team, all Big Ten, you know, finally breaks that hurdle, second team, second team. Um, and then first team Big Ten performer in 2015. Get to the Alabama college football playoff again. Uh, a game that we'll we'll hear a little bit more about in the future. Drove down with some of my buddies for that one. Um, you know, got a standing room only ticket. Again, standing room Spartans, standing room sports.com, largely influenced by that game and the college football playoff experience. But man, I mean, it's easy to look back and say what could have been, but yeah, that Alabama team was just so special, and and the the athletes they had were different from the athletes we had. But you, know, you look at it, man, down ten nothing in the first half, late in the first half, seventeen seconds left, and Cook throws a pick, and the and it was basically all downhill from there. But um, just an incredibly special career from Connor Cook, a career leader. In passing yards, career leader in passing touchdowns, 9,194 yards and 71 touchdowns. First team all Big Ten, two times second team all Big Ten. Uh, that, that final season in 2015, winner of the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award for best senior quarterback in the country. Two-time Big Ten champion, two-time Big Ten championship game MVP, Rose Bowl champion, Rose Bowl MVP, Cotton Bowl champion. The you you can go on and on and on uh, with the the personal accolades, statistics, team success. Everything points to Connor Cook in this list as the number one quarterback in Michigan State football history. And, and I really hope you guys enjoyed this. Again, if you didn't check out the article, go to standingroomsports.com and take a look. I, I had a ton of fun digging through the history books and putting this thing together. Um, you know, follow me at Twitter at uh, standing room MSU. Again, just search standing room Spartans. You'll find me on Twitter. I really, really, really appreciate the support. Uh, appreciate all the feedback. Um, again, hoping to get on Apple podcast here shortly, but we are on Spotify, Google podcast. Um, so make sure you tell your friends, your family, any Spartan in your life. I, I really hope that, uh, you know, you guys enjoy the show. We'll get some, as soon as we get on Apple podcast, I got a lot of mailbag stuff and, and some fan feedback that I want to get to. And, um, that's going to be that plateau where as soon as we get 
approved on Apple Podcasts, that's when I'm going to start um, doing that. So the more support we have, the earlier we can get there. And, and again, I really appreciate you guys for listening. Whether it's your first episode or your fourth episode as you're following along, uh, the start with me here, I, I really appreciate it either way and uh, having a ton of fun with it. So uh, from your host, Kevin Parker in the Standing Room Spartans podcast, thank you so much for listening. Come on back. Uh, really glad to have you. Take care, folks.